What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just entered my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. And this week, I cannot think of anything more exciting to talk about than the announcements of new Indiana Jones and Star Wars games coming our way. So let's dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, when we received news this past week that there was a brand new Indiana Jones game in development, I could not contain my excitement. I'm an absolutely huge Indiana Jones fan. I love the films. I love the books. I love anything related to Indiana Jones. Now, yes, I understand that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was a little bit questionable on a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I love anything with indie related substance. I love the Lego Indie games. I love the previous Indiana Jones games. I don't know if any of you gamers listening can remember the most recent game was Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. And this game released on the PSP, it released on the Nintendo Wii, it was around that generation. It's been that long since we've had any kind of Indiana Jones game. Now, I will say that for me personally, I was not of the right timing for that game release uh, and the right console. I was very biased back then. And I wanted my Indiana Jones game on the 360. I didn't want to play it on the Wii. I wanted it on the 360. And I was upset that it wasn't on the 360. Now, years later, I regret having this mindset and wish I'd actually played through it because I heard it was actually a really good game. The last indie game that I actually played through and loved, absolutely loved it, was Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb on the original Xbox. And this game was just absolutely amazing. It was anything that, as an indie fan, you would want. And if you had played the Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine title on the Nintendo 64 just a couple years prior to this release, then you were not disappointed if you enjoyed that game as well. Because the Infernal Machine was also a very well-done game. And there was, for some reason, this hiatus on Indiana Jones games. There was supposed to be one that released on the 360 and we even got a tech demo of Indy fighting off some enemies that were on a moving truck and the technology that was being used to create this game and also the Force Unleashed game. If you guys remember that Star Wars game that came out uh, around the same time as this indie game was supposed to. Uh, the Force Unleashed obviously got a sequel. We never got even the one Indiana Jones game. And it was extremely disappointing because it seemed like Disney just kind of abandoned uh, not only just gaming somewhat, but also Indiana Jones as a property once Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was out and released and done. And that was always disheartening to me because we've kept Star Wars around for 40 years, 40 plus years. And I love Star Wars, which we'll get into here in a sec as well. But Indiana Jones, I feel like has always been kind of kept to the side. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we don't get oversaturated with indie product. And maybe I would not be as excited for this indie game as I am if we got an Indiana Jones game every couple of years. But regardless, we do have that announcement and confirmation. And not only the confirmation that there's a game, but the ex other exciting pieces to this announcement for me was where we're getting the game from. 
So the game is going to be published by Bethesda. Obviously, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast knows who Bethesda are. Uh, if you don't, well, I'll just put it out there. Skyrim, Fallout, Wolfenstein. If any of those franchises ring a bell, they are the publisher of those titles. Now, Todd Howard, who's the president of the company, he's actually going to act as executive producer on this Indiana Jones game, which is really cool because Todd Howard, I feel, he knows his stuff. He's always usually heavily involved in both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. And while I don't think that we're going to get that style of game, I think that him being involved is good for the story aspect of it, which is going to be hugely important. But speaking of the story aspect and the developer themselves, the game is going to be developed by Machine Games. Now, Machine Games, you probably don't know or recognize that name, but they are actually the developers of the more recent Wolfenstein games. So you have Wolfenstein, the new Colossus that was the most recent one. I don't necessarily count Youngblood. I'm talking about the mainline, what I consider the mainline Wolfenstein trilogy right now. Yeah, the Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, came out back in 2017. And then a few years prior to that, you had Wolfenstein, the new order. Now, Machine Games did what I consider a phenomenal job with the Wolfenstein series, with the content to work with. And granted, yes, it was from a first-person perspective, but the story was amazing in both games. Absolutely amazing. Extremely well-written, extremely well-acted. The dialogue was spot-on. They were absolutely masterpieces, uh, in my opinion. I love them. So I'm very excited that they are involved. Again, I don't think that it's going to be a first-person perspective game. Uh, I really think that to do a good, solid indie game, it's going to have to be third-person. But we shall see. Now, this trailer and this announcement uh, that came out together as one, there was really not a whole lot going on in this trailer. It was extremely brief. And really all we saw was a passport lying on the table, some references to Rome, the time frame of the setting of this game, which is said to be in the prime of Indiana Jones's career, which I'm okay with that. I would much rather have a prime indie than a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull indie, uh, or even a younger indie. I, I would appreciate that as well. Maybe we'll get some flashback levels or missions in this game. I'd be cool with that. But uh, outside of that, we really don't know any other details at all. There was no title. There was no Indiana Jones and the blank, the blank, the blank, blank. There was none of that. Uh, There was no release date given, no platforms that the game was releasing for. So here's my questions that I had coming out of it. And there's so many of them. I won't go over all of them right now. I could do a whole episode just on these questions. But here's a couple of them. So is this game going to be an Xbox exclusive? just straight up exclusive to Xbox? Or will it be a timed exclusive? Maybe, hey, uh, for the first year of release, it's going to only be available on Xbox platforms. And why do I ask this, you may say? Well, the reason why, if you think about it, if you guys remember, Microsoft acquired Bethesda just a few months ago. So obviously there is that possibility there that Microsoft could be thinking about, hey, You know, we tried to do the one-year exclusivity deal with Rise of the Tomb Raider. Didn't work out in the best interest of the game. Sony has Uncharted. You know, that is potentially coming back in a new game, which has been brought up again in rumor uh, just this past week, actually. But we want to have something to combat that game, that franchise for Xbox gamers that you can only get on Xbox. How about we go with Indiana Jones, the OG himself? So I think it's very possible. And then you think about it, 
not just the fact that if it's on Xbox exclusively, it's also Bethesda, Microsoft owned, it's going to be on Game Pass, guys. There's no questions in my mind that it'll be on Game Pass day one. Now, it's just really going to be a huge, huge decision whether or not Microsoft allows us to be multi-platform or timed exclusive or just straight up, hey, this is our game. Sorry, you want to play Indy and his adventures? You got to come to Xbox. So I could see him going either way, and it'll be very, extremely interesting to find out which way they go. So can't wait to see any more information come out about this game. Now, the other announcement that was made this past week was also Lucasfilm related, and it was Star Wars, obviously, as mentioned previously. So Star Wars is here for quite a few years now been exclusive to EA. They've had the exclusive publishing and development rights as far as gaming are concerned for the Star Wars brand. Well, Disney has decided that they are wanting to put more focus back into the gaming landscape of things uh, and, and also Star Wars and Indiana Jones and trying to keep those franchises going in different ways than just movies and TV shows. So I think that obviously a lot of this can be attributed to, and I'm not saying it's solely because of this, but think about it, COVID-19. The virus has impacted so many people and so many businesses and whatnot, but think about Disney specifically here. They do not have that revenue coming from their theme parks or their traveling, uh, the cruise ships they have, the hotels and all these different things they make money off of. So it's kind of interesting in my opinion, maybe it's just a timing coincidence, but it's pretty interesting to me that they are now putting focus back on gaming when they're looking for potential other means of revenue. But I don't want to get into the business side of things. This is about gaming, uh, a little bit more fun than the business side of it. So EA is no longer uh, owner of the exclusive publishing rights for Star Wars games. The contract that they had drawn up with Lucasfilm uh, X amount of years ago is expiring soon. And... Disney put it out there and said, hey, we don't want to renew this contract with you. Uh, we've had a good partnership. You've released some decent games. Uh, best, in my opinion, being Jedi Fallen Order, but uh, it's neither here nor there. Bottom line is, we're going to put the brand out there for anybody who's interested in trying something if we like the pitch. So of all publishers, Ubisoft approached Disney with a pitch, and they liked it. So we now have a new Star Wars game coming from Ubisoft, and all we've gotten on this, same thing as Indiana Jones, there's no release dates, no titles, no anything. All we've gotten is that the game's going to be set in an open world environment, and the developer is going to be Massive Entertainment, uh, which is based out of Sweden, and a lot of you gamers may know them for The Division. So my concern and my friend's concern, Logan Phoenix uh, from The Graveyard Gamer right here, his podcast on Anchor, check him out, he is pretty awesome. Uh... Our concern is the fact that, okay, if it's by the developer of The Division, we really hope we're not getting Star Wars The Division, if you know what I'm saying. We don't want that kind of gameplay or game as a service. Uh, we really hope it's just the fact that, okay, yes, they developed The Division, but it doesn't mean they can't do other styles of gameplay. So I really, 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 really hope that this new Star Wars game is going to be something special. And it's not going to be in the same kind of vein as The Division. So we can only wait and see. They are working on the new Avatar games for the uh, sequels, the sequel movies. So you know, obviously I'm sure they have the capability to do something different than the style of The Division. So very interesting to see what they come up with there. 
Uh, I am very interested to see what time period in Star Wars history this game takes place. Are we going to get brand new characters for this game? Are we going to be controlling old characters that we love that are in new story settings? I don't know. I want to know. I hope you want to know. And only time will tell. But best believe, as soon as any kind of new information is announced, it will probably land right here on Captain's Quarters in the Catch of the Week. So that's what I have for you gamers this week as far as that is concerned. Now let's go check out and see what I've been playing in my Captain's Log. Gamers, as has seemed to be the case here recently, I had another three titles that I played around with this past week. And the first one, I really, I played very little. Uh, it was NBA 2K21 Next Gen Experience on the Series X. I did only play one more game in my franchise. It was a fun game, though, especially after having not played in about a month. Uh, it was nice to still kind of have the feel for the shooting controls and uh, had a good time beating the Charlotte Hornets. Sorry, Charlotte fans. But uh, bottom line is I'm now 8-2 in my franchise record and looking forward to continuing that storyline there. Another game that I dabbled in uh, just for a brief maybe hour and a half amount of time over very short spurts and two nights was Miles Morales Spider-Man. I've been wanting to get back to my PS5 guys and uh, specifically Spider-Man and Demon Souls, but considering the timing and the way that I was tired this two different nights that I was deciding to play this game, I opted for Miles Morales Spider-Man because I felt like I could do better at staying awake in that game than I could in Demon Souls. And what I ended up doing, I did go through and progress the next main story mission in that game. And it was, of course, really, really cool. Uh, very, very story-centric, that game. And I love it. I love what Insomniac does and has done in the previous Spider-Man game and in this game. And just love the story in this game. Now, the majority of my playtime, though, was spent doing the different side missions that you can do throughout New York City. And there are multiple collectibles that you can track down. There's time capsules. If you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and they're hidden throughout the city. And just kind of tracking those icons down and doing different random street crimes, things of that nature. Just, you know, kind of enjoying being in New York City as now the snow is falling in the game. Uh, in the earlier stages of the game, there is no snow falling. Now where I'm at, it's snowing. So it's actually pretty cool to swing through New York as the snow is falling all around you. And I just love the suits in this game. I love them in the 2018 Spider-Man game. But in this game, they're also really, really cool and love the different designs and playing around with swapping those in and out and playing around with photo mode uh, with each and every suit. So definitely enjoyed the brief time I spent in Miles Morales Spider-Man this past week. The bulk, though, of my gaming time in this past seven-day period has belonged to Night City. You got it, gamers. I have been very, very heavily involved in Cyberpunk 2077 this past week. Probably dropped about 13 hours in progress, and I have absolutely loved it. Now, I will say that probably, I would say almost, almost half the amount of time was spent just really clearing out the district of Watson. Now, the city is split up into multiple districts, Watson being the first one that you're really isolated to and start out the game in. And I wanted 100% all side gigs and NCPD hustles is what they're called, which is basically just little side jobs you do for the cops. Hey, 
you have Regina call you and she's, hey, V, I need you to go sneak into this building and steal some data for me. Or, hey, I have this target I need you to take out. He's a really, he's a really big slime ball. I need to get rid of him. He's you know, trafficking kids or something, you know, something along those lines. Uh, the bottom line is these kind of side gigs and hustles, there's a decent amount of them throughout the whole district. And it's, it's, it can be time consuming if you're doing them all. Now, thankfully, I was able to kind of spread this out over time. And I got into a point where I was 94% complete with this uh, achievement. There's also an achievement tied to this. So I was able to kind of track my progress with it. And as of 94%, there was no more side gigs available that were any icons or anything on the map. Okay, well, hopefully there'll be more that open up uh, as I progress through the game and uh, whatnot. So I decided to go back to the main quest, the main story. And I only had one objective to do in the next main storyline. And so I did this. And upon completing this objective, it opened up ultimately three different branching storylines and different story threads, as I'll call them. And you're given the option of which one you'd like to go with first. So I made my decision and oh, I was so not disappointed, guys. It is such an awesome storyline. Uh, I have not been let down. The places that you go, the missions themselves, the story and the characters that are involved in this mission thread, I just absolutely have been eating it up. And out of that 13 hours, again, probably just a little less than half has been doing just this story thread. And I'm not even done, like 100% done with the conclusion to what this story thread is going to be. And I stepped away from it because I got to what I would consider kind of a, a break point where it's like, okay, I did a huge chunk of it. And now I'm at a point where I could go to this different area of the city to continue it. Or I can kind of play around for a little bit, do some more side gigs that happened to pop up as I was playing through and, and progressing in the quest and leveling up my street cred and things of that nature. So bottom line is uh, that's kind of where I'm at and doing again. I had some side quests that also popped up uh, that weren't just side gigs or street hustles. They were actually uh, different side quests that were um, a little bit more detailed than those uh, street hustles and whatnot typically are. So in addition to this, though, I did spend a lot of time upgrading my V character and purchased some cyberware, the coolest of which I'm sure you guys have seen it and the advertisements for the game, uh, maybe on other different game clips and whatnot online, but the Mantis Blades. And those are awesome. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, the Mantis Blades are, if you look at the top of your forearms or your character's forearm, they actually have separate pieces that come out of the arm as blades, and you kind of look like a praying mantis's arms. Therefore, the name of Mantis Blades, and they are pretty awesome. Uh, just the fact that the reticule changes, and you have these different uh, charge move that can either impale and lift up and sling the enemy, or chop the person's head off. I, I know it sounds crazy, it's like wow, you're getting excited there, man. But at the end of the day, it's just pretty cool uh, when you're in the moment of being a mercenary and you're taking out these. Uh, bad guys, so to speak. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. So I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the Mantis uh, cyberware implant that I got and purchased. And there's a lot of different mods that I've also added. I've added the electricity mod by recommendation of my wife, who's also using the Mantis blades. And those are really cool. It's exactly what you would probably assume listening to what you know electricity mod would be, which is you add electricity damage to the blades and it just looks really cool as well. 
So I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, there's also crafting and upgrading of your weapons and armor in this game as well, if you did not know. So I spent some time upgrading my weapons, crafting different pieces for the weapons and adding and upgrading my attachments. Just kind of getting myself, you know, consistent with the progress in the main game. Because as was assumed by me and my wife, the districts do progressively get a little bit more difficult as far as the enemies. So you want to kind of progress with their progression so you can kind of keep up and be up to par with your enemies. So Cyberpunk, just awesome, awesome, awesome time this past week playing around in Night City. But out of all that, let's go check in and see what my overall highlight of the entire week was. So gamers, out of all that I played this past week, what was it that stood out above everything else that I played, above all the experiences that I had? What was the key moment of the week for me, my most exciting moment? Was it beating up on the Charlotte Hornets? Was it swinging through New York City in the snow as Miles Morales? Or was it being a Merc in Night City? Well... I got to tell you, it is tied to that mercenary in Night City. And what it was for me, I was so relieved, so relieved to get that 100% completion in the District of Watson. And when that achievement popped, it's what me and my friends call a diamond achievement because the diamond icon that pops up, but it's a rare achievement is the official name of it. And I'm sure you're aware of what the sound effect is. It's a little bit different than your normal achievement. And it was a good feeling to know that I was able to accomplish all 100% of what was in Watson. Not only because, hey, I did it, but also because there was a lot of conversation online that some people haven't been able to because of glitches or different things getting lagged up on them. So I was just appreciative of the fact that, man, whew, I was able to get it, man. I was able to do it. Got 100%. It's a beautiful thing. It always feels good. For me, being a completionist, I, I love it when I can look there at the screen and see 100% completion. And then it's just always a nice little extra pat on the back uh, when you get an achievement for it. So it was a nice little 30-point diamond achievement, just made it all the more nicer. And that was my highlight of the week. So let's go check in and see what kind of buried treasure I have for you this week as far as some gaming tips and cyberpunk. Gamers, as I said, it is a known fact that 100%ing a district in Cyberpunk 2077 is not necessarily a guarantee. Uh, some people are having issues with it. Some people, myself and my wife included, initially were very confused and worried when we kind of went stagnant at 94%. Because as I had stated earlier, once you get to 94% in Watson, there's no more icons left on the map. So then you're kind of left wondering as the player, okay, well where's the other 6% at? Like, what am I not doing? Am I missing something? Is it hidden? Is it a glitch? Because, you know, this is Cyberpunk 2077. Well, no, in fact, it is not a glitch. Ultimately, it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier in the show. You have to just kind of progress and level up your street cred. Now, as I had stated in last week's episode, you have your regular character level and it levels up with XP of doing missions or side gigs, whatever. You also have a street cred that gets leveled up and you have a progression on it and XP you specifically earn for street cred. So that street cred level is what ultimately will unlock more gigs for you. So as I progressed in the main story and I was getting, gaining street cred and once I would level up, I saw it pop up there, it'll tell you 
underneath, when you get a level up notification for street cred, underneath that notification, it'll also say two new gigs unlocked or however many it is. So keep an eye on that and then re-reference your map and make sure you can track down the icons. Now I will say that there were some other yellow icons that typically are not NCPD hustles or little side gigs, but they are side missions or side biz as they're called in the game. And those also count towards the percentage tracker. So those did not give me a notification, but after I had finished the two new blue icons that typically indicate NCPD tracker or scanner uh, gigs, and there was no progression in my achievement tracker, I happened to continue to look around Watson like, wait a minute, where are, is there anything else? And sure enough, there were those yellow icons. So just keep an eye out and keep checking back and forth and re-referencing and don't freak out initially. Uh, more than likely, you just have to progress and level up your street cred and you will be fine. So just wanted to make sure to put that out there and to relieve anybody of any concern they may have had when it comes to 100%ing a district in Cyberpunk 2077. Now let's check in with my weekly Captain's Decree. So gamers, this episode has a lot of 80s nostalgia to it. If you are from that era, or if you just love movies and games from the 80s, the fact is Indiana Jones and Star Wars are two of the biggest movie franchises ever, and they both come from the decade of the 80s. Now it had me thinking, what other movie franchise that was huge in the 80s that I loved would I like to see in a current-gen video game form? And almost immediately, this film franchise came to mind as this has got to be the next big game adaptation from the 80s and its amazing set of movies. And that is the Back to the Future trilogy. So... Hopefully you guys are as big a fans of that movie trilogy as I am because those are some of the greatest movies ever made in my opinion and some of my favorites of all time. Bottom line is though, I think that they could really, whatever developer, if they got their hands on it and did it right, could do an amazing Back to the Future game. And I just have a few ideas that I wanted to share with you guys of what I think would make an amazing Back to the Future game. So first off, I feel like it has to be one full-on game. Not a Traveler's Tales game. I know they've already done a Back to the Future game, technically. But I'm talking about a full-on game. 3D, open-world environments, just your, your normal kind of game. Not very much uh, decision-based and dialogue-heavy. You can have those things in there, but a full-on game this time. Now, I say it takes place as one cohesive story. So essentially, if you think about it, the Back to the Future movie trilogy was one cohesive story just spread out over three different movies. But they all pretty much immediately picked up and started and continued where the last one left off. It was just us as a viewer had to wait in between each entry. So for this game, I say just call it Back to the Future. And as the player, you control Marty McFly as he goes from the beginning of the first movie all the way to the end of the third movie. And during this, you're going to have many hub worlds that you can explore. So all the different major locations from the movies, you're going to have Hill Valley, Hill Valley from the 50s, from the 80s, and from 2015. So at different times in the game, when you're in the different eras of Hill Valley, you get to explore that, as well as back in the wild, wild west, obviously. So all these different locations are going to be like little mini hub worlds for you when you go back in time. Now, 
obviously, in order to travel through time in this game, which you can obviously do, you will be in control of making sure that the DeLorean gets up to 88 miles per hour, which is the threshold, if you haven't seen the movies, that the DeLorean needs to hit in order to travel through time. Now, when you go to these areas, there's going to be different interior environments that are going to be very well detailed. So I'm thinking in the vein of, say, you have these open world hub type environments that you're going through of Hill Valley. And then the interior environments, when you do go into them, are going to be detailed to the level of, say, Spider-Man 2018 or Miles Morales Spider-Man. To where they're just an excellent, excellent, amazing visual amount of detail put into these environments. And they're just a lot of fun to explore, a lot of story details there for you to figure out. I'm talking about like Marty's school, the dance hall, Doc Brown's house, all these different locations that are seen throughout the movie. You're going to be able to experience them. The diner that Marty goes into in 2015 and there's the arcade and different things that you can order a Pepsi ad and all kinds of stuff. I'm just ah, the, the ideas and the possibilities are endless. Now, during the 80s, you can travel around Hill Valley in the DeLorean. Just driving around, going from place to place, little, little, little areas around Hill Valley that are landmarks from the movies that you can go to and travel between, and even the neighborhood, Marty's neighborhood, however you want to do it. But in the 80s, you're going to have the DeLorean as your traveling vehicle. In 2015, you're going to have the hoverboard that is going to help you get around. And then in 1950s, Hill Valley, you have the skateboard that's going to help you get around. And of course, when you get to the wild, wild west, there's only one way to travel, and that's by horse. So as you go through the town, you're in all different eras. You're going to have, obviously, many people around, hustle and bustle. You can do side quests and help different people out doing different things. You can even have their version of Stranger Missions or the world events from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, things of that nature that you can come across. And overall, the goal of this game is going to be the same as the movies. Each movie had its overall arching goal. In the first film, it was for Marty to make sure his mom and dad fell in love by the end. In the second film, it was to stop Biff from getting the almanac. And in the third film, it was from stopping Doc Brown from dying. So you have these same objectives in each time period, just like in the movie. And just like in the movie, you have to have the musical score and the soundtrack of Back to the Future. Now, yes, you have to have the power of love in there somewhere. You have to have your classic 80s music that's playing in there somewhere, the 50s when you're in the 50s. But overall... Those jingles, those little like, I can't do it, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Just little things when Marty would recognize something from the past or when Doc Brown would say, great Scott, and he would figure something out. There, would always, there was always that jingle, that back to the future jingle, I call it, that would sound. And they got to have those sound effects in there. They got to have that epic, just like crowd rousing musical score that they have in all those films that I love. And it would just be so amazing. You could even throw some mini games in there. You could have Marty playing his guitar. Even at the dance, you could have that as a mini game side piece where you're sitting there controlling that uh, sequence at the dance where he's having to play on stage in front of his parents and the whole school to try to get them motivated to dance and get his parents actually spending some time together. So bottom line is that's just a, a few of the ideas that I have for a Back to the Future game. I could really go into detail on this and do a whole episode I cannot do that here, though, so I figured I'd throw it out there. Kind of goes in theme with the 1980s adaptations here going on with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So if you guys haven't seen Back to the Future, any of them, oh, can't recommend them enough. Absolutely amazing films. But that is my Captain's Decree uh, this week. Do we need a Back to the Future game? 
Do we need another 80s adaptation game from those amazing films catalog from back then? Yes, we do. <laughs> Emphatically. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.